Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, John continues his series on heaven from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, with this message, How and When Will Jesus Take Us to Heaven? Let me ask you today, do you have in your heart a deep love for that day when Jesus Christ will appear to you and take you to heaven. Now, I want to begin today by looking at a Bible verse in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. The Apostle Paul wrote this verse right before he was killed, and notice what he said. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 8. He said, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all, now watch this, who have loved his appearing. And so Paul said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to receive a special crown, the crown of righteousness. And that crown is set aside for everyone who has had in his or her heart, in his or her mind, a love for the appearing of Jesus Christ. And by that phrase, the appearing of Christ, it's talking about when Jesus comes for us to take us to heaven. Now, recently, for the last several weeks, we've talked a lot about heaven. What will heaven look like? We've talked about the gates and the wall and the colors and the throne of God and the river of life and the the fruit trees that are in heaven. And we've talked a lot about that. We've talked about what will heaven be like? It'll be a perfect place. No sickness, no sorrow, no sadness, no pain. It'll be wonderful. We've talked about what will we do in heaven? I preached about that last week. We're going to serve God up there by praising the Lord and, and doing other things that God gives us the opportunity to do. But today I want us to continue our thinking on heaven, but from a slightly different perspective. I want us to think today about this question, how and when will Jesus take us to heaven? In other words, heaven is above us. We're on earth. Heaven's up there. So in order for us to go from here to there, Jesus has to take us there. You can't catch a a, a flight and fly to heaven. Jesus has to, to take us to heaven. So the question is, how will he do it? And when will this happen? So if you'll open your Bibles this morning, certainly to the book of Revelation, that's where we're studying in chapter number 22, but also find 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, because I want us to begin in that book today, in that passage, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. The first thing I want to say today is this, Jesus will take us to heaven at either the rapture of the church or at the moment of of our physical death. It will be one of those two ways. In other words, in order for you to get into heaven, you've either got to experience the rapture, you've got to be living when that happens, or you've got to die. And that's when Jesus will take you to heaven. So 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, we're going to begin in verse number 16. Now the word rapture, by the way, literally means to be caught up. And Paul here is describing an experience, it could happen anytime, it could happen today, where There's going to be a shout from heaven. There's going to be a voice of a very special angel, the archangel, and the trumpet of God is going to sound, and heaven is going to open up, as it were, and Jesus Christ is going to step out of heaven, 
And at the rapture, he'll not come to the earth, but he will be in the air. And then all the people who are currently saved and living on the earth will be caught up to him and will be in heaven just like that. Now, he's talking about this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 16. He said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, let's just stop and think about what does this mean, the dead in Christ will rise. It's talking about Christians who have died. Their bodies have either been cremated or they have been buried. And so their bodies, we would say, are in the ground. And at the rapture of the church, let's play like the rapture happens today. So here we are, we're living, and we're going to be caught up in, the, in a split second, and we're going to be with God just like that. But before we go up, the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. That is those bodies that have been placed in the grave, those ashes that have been scattered in the ocean, they will be caught up out of those graves, out of that water, and will be then reunited with their living soul that is now in heaven. Now, remember this. I know we know it, but I want to make it clear today. When a Christian dies, that person goes immediately into the presence of God. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Recent example in our church, Alton and Glenda Biggers have been members of this church for many, many years. And yesterday, Alton's body died. So we say that yesterday, Alton Biggers died. Well, that's partially true. His body died. But the moment his body died, when his heart beat for the last time, what happened? Well, Jesus came to that hospital room where he was and took Alton, the real Alton, his spirit, his soul, right out of his body, and he took him immediately to heaven to be with him. Now, in a few days, we'll have Alton's funeral. His body will be buried. At the rapture of the church, his body will go up to heaven before, I, before we do, if we're still living at that moment. The dead in Christ will rise first. And when his body comes out of that grave, his body will be reunited with his spirit, with his soul, who is currently in heaven right now with God. And in that moment, he will have his resurrected body. He doesn't have a resurrected body yet. That's an interesting question. We wonder, the people who are in heaven right now, if they don't have a resurrected body, what kind of body do they have? Well, we know that they have a recognizable body. They're not floating up there like a ghost or some spirit. They have a body, a recognizable body, and yet at the rapture, they'll receive their resurrection body because their old body will come up out of the grave. And then after that happens, notice what he says in verse 17, then we who are alive, that is, we haven't died yet. So our bodies are not in the grave. No, our, we still are in our bodies. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's what, where the word rapture comes from. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And so what I'm saying today is that as we think about how and when we're going to go to heaven, it will happen at either the rapture of the church or at the moment of our death. Now, it's interesting. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is also talking about the rapture of the church. And in verse number 52, Paul says this. He says, it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen quick. And if you study that biologically and scientifically, that phrase, the twinkling of an eye, takes one trillionth of a second. I mean, it is just like that. 
quicker than I could snap my finger, that's when it's going to happen, either at the rapture or at the moment of our death. Now, here's a person like Alton. He's been sick for several weeks, and some people are sick for months or years, and you say, well, their death wasn't, you know, in the twinkling of an eye or that quick like that. Well, their sickness may have drug on for a while, but if you think about the actual moment of death, it's quick. It's sudden. Here the person is, we would say, living, and here the person has physically died, and they've gone to be with the Lord. It is just that quick, and it will happen either at the rapture of the church or at the moment of our death. Now, let me just say this, and I want to continue on with, our, with this train of thought about how and when it's going to take us to heaven. As far as the rapture of the church goes, you don't hear as much about that today. There was a day in churches where there was a lot of preaching and teaching about the rapture of the church, and people looked forward to that, and people lived with an expectancy, this could happen today. Well, it's been so long since, you know, since Jesus went back to heaven. It's been 2,000 years approximately, and the rapture still hasn't happened. So you just don't hear as much about that. But friend, whether you hear about it a lot or don't hear about it a lot, you're hearing about it now. And let me say this, Jesus Christ could come back for us at any moment in time. And you don't have to be a theologian You don't have to be a super intelligent person to know that God, through what is happening in our world today, is speaking to us. I did a whole sermon, and I took a teaching of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew where he said, in the last days, that is, before the rapture takes place, a lot of things are going to happen. Famines, we see that. Earthquakes, we see that. Pestilences. Did you know that word? It can mean, literally mean plagues. And what I'm saying to you is God is speaking because the Bible is clear that God speaks through nature and God speaks through weather. And remember this, biblically speaking, anytime there is a disruption to life as we know it, God is speaking through that disruption. And what God is saying, there is coming a day at the rapture of the church when life as people have always known it will no longer be. Life as we have always known it will cease to exist. And what God is giving us, every time there's a hurricane, every time there's a winter storm, it's a disruption to our lives. And things are not normal. Things are upside down. And what God is saying to us through all of this is, just like your lives are being disrupted now, either greatly or minimally, in some way they're being disrupted, this is a forerunner. This is a hint. This is a preview of what is one day going to happen to this earth when that shout comes from heaven, when the archangel utters his voice, and when the trumpet sounds, when Jesus steps out of heaven, calls us home to be with him. You talk about a disruption to life as we know it. All Christians taken up just like that to be with God in heaven. In a trillionth of a second, two things are going to happen. Those of us who are saved are going to be in heaven, and we're going to say, what just happened? I mean, how did this? we were just down there on earth. We'd just been singing about heaven. John just started a sermon on heaven. I was still awake. I hadn't even fallen asleep yet. It was the early part of his sermon. I'm still with him and wide awake. And all of a sudden, just like that, we went from the worship center of First Baptist in Pasadena, Texas, and now we're in heaven. What happened? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what happened. It was the rapture of the church. It was in the Bible. John was talking about it, and you just experienced it. But I'll tell you something else is going to happen. For those who are unsaved, For those who are left down here on this earth and all the Christians are gone, in a trillionth of a second, what are they going to say? They're going to say, what happened? Where is everybody? Where's my wife? Where's my 
kid? Where's my neighbor? Where, where's the person I was talking to on the phone? Where's the person I was riding with in the car? Where, what, what just happened? And they won't know what we, they won't know what happened. They'll be confused. It will, the ultimate disruption will be at that moment. But the point I'm making here is Jesus will take us to heaven either at the rapture of the church or at the moment of our death. Now, let's continue along that logic, and we're asking now, how will He do it? Well, He will take us to heaven not only in one of those two ways, He will take us to heaven personally. When it is time for you to go to heaven, either when you die or at the rapture of the church, Jesus is not going to just send a delegation, representatives. He will come for you personally. What did we just read in 1 Thessalonians 4? The Lord himself will descend from heaven. He's going to step out of heaven onto those clouds, and we're going up to meet him. The Lord himself will descend. Now, look in Revelation chapter 22 because we read the same thing. And there are three verses I want to draw your attention to. Look in verse number 7. Just the first part of the verse, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Behold, I am coming. Not not representatives for Jesus. He says, I am coming. Look in verse number 12. And behold, I am coming. And then in verse number 20, Jesus said, Surely I am coming. So think about it. 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself will descend. Here Jesus says, I am coming, either at the rapture or the moment of your death, I am coming for you. What happened to Alton Biggers yesterday in that hospital when his, when his body was coming to the end and his heart was beating maybe 10 times and then nine, only nine beats to go and eight beats to go and his life on earth is waning away? What was happening in those moments? I'll tell you exactly what was happening. Jesus was coming to him in that hospital room. And Jesus said to him, three more beats, two more beats, last beat. Jesus said, Alton, no more suffering for you. You've been sick long enough. I'm taking you out of that body, and I'm taking you into heaven to be with me forever. Jesus was right there yesterday with him in that room. Think about this passage. We're familiar with it. Many of us are. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to this next verse. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so Jesus said, I'm coming back at the rapture or at the moment of your death. And we read in another place, interesting, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus was telling a story about a man who died. And Jesus said, at the moment of that man's death, the angels were there, and the angels carried that man into heaven, into the city of God, to be there forever. And so what I'm saying is, at the moment of your death, whether you're old or young, whether it's cancer, an accident, or something else, Jesus Christ, or whether it's the rapture, He is coming for us, and He's coming personally. But let's continue on with that thought. Not only is Jesus going to take us to heaven personally, but Jesus will take us to heaven both quickly and suddenly. Again, in the twinkling of an eye, a trillionth of a second, just like that. We'll say, what happened? I'm in heaven. How did this happen? It was a car wreck. It was a heart attack. It was a stroke. It was the rapture. It's going to happen just that quick. We're going to have to get our bearings when we first get there. Suddenly and quickly, Jesus is going to take us to heaven. Now, in Revelation 22, let's go back to those three verses that we just highlighted, verses 7, 12, and 20. And notice what Jesus said. He said, Behold, 
I am coming, and I'm in the New King James, and it says quickly. Now, if you have the NIV, the New Living Translation, I think the ESV, many other of the modern translations, they're going to make that say, behold, I am coming soon. Look in verse number 12. And behold, Jesus said, I am coming quickly. Your Bible may say soon. Verse 20, surely I am coming quickly. Now, here's a question. Should it be translated quickly or soon? Well, either way is an excellent translation of that Greek word. If you think about what, since Jesus was the one speaking, from his perspective, it's fine to use the word soon. You know, Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Now, it's been 2,000 years since he spoke this. So from our perspective, we wouldn't say that soon. But from his perspective, the Bible says a thousand years are like a day with the Lord. So for Jesus to say, I'm coming soon, from his perspective, that's a great translation. But I really think what Jesus was saying here, I think quickly gets it a little bit better than soon because quickly has with it the idea of imminently, suddenly, just like that, in a trillionth of a second, when you're, when you're not expecting it. And that's what Jesus said in the Gospels. He's like a thief in the night. He's coming soon. He's coming quickly. He's coming suddenly. And so, we'll be living our lives, and life will be going on as normal, and either the rapture's going to happen, or we're going to die, but it's going to be sudden. It's going to be quick, and we're going to be gone. We had a man in our church for many years, a good friend of mine named Jack Smith. And Jack, he got involved with our media team. And Jack ended up working one of these cameras in the 930 service many Sunday mornings. And last March, Jack was here. He was on one of those cameras. He was watching the service, recording the service so people at home could watch it and so on. And came to church that day, had a normal Sunday, went home, had lunch, did what he did. Jack was a truck driver. The next day, he got in his truck, or two days later, and he drove crossing several states to go where he was going. And somewhere in Arkansas, he had a terrible accident, went off the road, and Jack's life ended just like that. Now, that's interesting to me. Here's a man, 48 hours before, he's in church like we're in church today. I mean, normal life, 48 hours later, suddenly, quickly, unexpectedly, in a trillionth of a second, it's all over. And now he's in eternity. He was saved. He's in the presence of God. But it can happen just that quickly. And so as I think about heaven, and I think about not only is it going to be great and wonderful and beautiful and, and, and perfect in every way, we've got to somehow get there, and it's going to happen in one of these two ways, either at the rapture of the church or at the moment of our death. And the fact is, we don't know when either one of those things are going to happen. In other words, let me say it this way. We don't know when or how Jesus is going to come for us. And so we do know that now is the time for us to come to him. Look in verse number 17. This is one of the greatest verses in the New Testament. Coming now to the end of the book of Revelation. And notice what it says. And the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And so the, the New Testament ends with an invitation an open invitation to come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, come to Jesus. The bride, that is the church, come to Jesus. Everybody, come to Jesus. Jesus, when he's speaking in the Gospels, he says, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The person who comes to me, 
I will in no wise cast out. Why at the end of our services do we give an invitation? Why don't we just preach the sermon, have a prayer, and tell everybody to have a nice day? Because it would be foolish to do that. Because at the end of the sermon, what are you doing? You're giving people an opportunity to do what? To come to Jesus. We don't know when Jesus will come for us. Today, tomorrow, 25 years from now, 50 years from now, we don't know that. We don't know how he will come to us. Will it be the rapture? Will we still be living? Will it be cancer? Will it be an accident? We don't have any idea when or how, but we do know this. We have an opportunity to come to Jesus. And that opportunity is now. And that's why the scripture says now is the time. Today is the day for us to come to Jesus. So what do you say? Now is the time. For us to come to Jesus. We don't know when or how, but we know that now is the time. I'm mentioning these people in our church, Alton Biggers, Jack Smith, who have died. And just like that, they went from earth to heaven. Another illustration I could give about that, back during December, in fact, the day after Christmas, family in our church, faithful family in our church, Charles and Jennifer Cowles and their three sons traveling from Houston to Branson, Missouri to spend some days after Christmas there. And As they're riding along, they get involved in a horrible, horrible car accident. And just like that, Charles' life on earth ended suddenly, quickly, unexpectedly. And as I think about his life and and, and Jennifer's life and those three boys and, and how that has impacted the four of them, and of course it impacted Charles by taking him to heaven, I think, you know, I was in touch with Charles via text, I mean, almost right up to when that happened, just a few days before that. You know, he was one of those guys, he was a doctor at MD Anderson, and had been a real help to me, and, and to I, when I went through some health issues, my mom went through some health issues, he was just a real help, he was, he was always there for us. You know, he went to be with the Lord on the day after Christmas, but on the Sunday before that, December the 20th, was when we had our candlelight service here at the church. Charles was working at MD Anderson, and he was mainly working that day at his office at his desk so he could watch the service online. And after the service, he sent me a text that day. He said, John, I don't know if I ever told you how I got saved. I read that, and I thought, you know, I don't think I've ever had that conversation. I knew he was saved, but I never had heard his testimony. And he said, many years ago, in fact, I found out it's when he was 17 years of age, that he was reading, of all places, through the book of Job in the Old Testament. And when he's reading through Job, he read that passage, or one of the passages, about how God had created all these galaxies. And here's Charles, 17-year-old, but very scientific, very intellectual, very, very smart guy, even at that age. And he said there was something about reading about the galaxies that God had made that got my attention and convinced me that there really was a God. And he said, that was when I gave my heart to Christ, and that's when I was saved. And then that, that was on Sunday, he's telling me this. And that was really the last text exchange that we had. And then six days later, the accident takes place. What happens? Suddenly, ex- unexpectedly, and very quickly, he goes to heaven, and he's with God. Now, what I'm saying today, hey, we all believe in heaven we all, we all want to go to heaven, and we all know that heaven is fantastic. We all know that in order for us to get there, Jesus has got to come for us, either at the rapture or at the moment of our physical death, and take us to heaven. We can't get a flight and fly up there. We have to be taken by Jesus to heaven. But again, we don't know when or how he's going to come for us. But here is the question today, and I'll stop here. 
Has there been a time in your past where you have come to Jesus Christ? And if you don't know that for sure, and have, if you don't have that settled yet, now would be the time. We've just heard John say that now is the time to come to Jesus Christ. Won't you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Please make me to be the person that you created me to be. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have received Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.